0: Hello there, this is Steve Morley Sergeant Lamont in The Bill and you are listening to The Bill Podcast Thank you Steve Welcome back to The Bill Podcast It's part two of our interview with one of this country's finest actresses the legendary Carolyn Pickles As well as more Sun Hill memories, get ready to enter the wizarding world as we chat about Harry Potter. A nice trick I've noticed that you use is, Reid, when you're interrogating suspects, you always play it very calmly when you're interviewing suspects. and. Yeah. And then when you go in for the kill, it's very subtle, but you, you lean over and you just rest your your head against your hand. Just just closing yeah. the it's just a very subtle move Ooh. forward to uh. Intensify the questioning without yeah. without doing a Chris Ellison or like you know or a Tony yeah. Scanlon yeah. But it, it's your <laughs> it's your very subtle way of just getting a bit closer and, yeah. and making sure you get the questions. So you're very clever with your body language.
1: Ah, oh, right, right. I'd done something years before, which was called "Miracles Take Longer." It was a daytime soapy thing, and I was one of those people that worked in a Citizens Advice Bureau, just listening and asking questions in a sense the guest artists had the wonderful lines and so i'd have you know lines like and how long have you had pigeons in your roof or something and the guest <laughs> artists would come out with this wonderful storyline and so so you learn to kind of really listen yeah and, and body language is, is quite important yeah yeah well thank you that's nice i'll try and reintroduce that back into my work <laughs> if, I, <laughs> if i ever get any more commanding <laughs> boss women <laughs>
2: I mean,
0: there's some lovely lines that. Uh, I mean, there's two writers that really wrote well for Reed and made the most of it is Christopher Russell and and J C Wilshire, and oh, yeah. um, Chris Russell. There's a, a lovely episode called Just Desserts. It's the first time Reed yeah. leaves the office and goes down. There's been a has been a murder, a suspicious death at a building site, and uh, when you arrive, uh, a builder says, "You want to piggyback, love?" And you right. just say, are "You licensed." You know, without <laughs> batting an eyelid, and uh, and and Chris Ellison, you leave him to liaise with Socco because you want you want to investigate this one, and and so um, he yeah. said, "With all due respect, Mom, i I'm not very good at liaising." And you say, <laughs> "No, well, I'm not very good at driving a desk."
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, great line! Yeah,
0: oh yeah, with uh, with John Isles, you you partner up with lovely John Isles, and and you go to yeah. the you go to the um, the the front door of a of a house and uh, it comes through on a radio but this this guy's quite a big bloke and you say to John it's all right I'll protect you
1: uh. <laughs> oh I loved working with John
0: yeah he's quality isn't
1: he he is quality yeah he's a lovely guy that's right these lines have all come back now I wish I'd kept my scripts I've got various episodes somewhere on the VHS and and I guess I could get them if I find them my house is a bit chaotic could try and get those put onto DVD, yeah, whether the quality's good enough. But...
0: The nice thing with your role, where you've got the opportunity to play, and I suppose the variety for you to keep you interested, is that sometimes mm. you're out, you know, dealing with the crooks and the villains, mm. but mm. then you've also got the political side with scenes mm. with Peter Ellis and Ben Roberts, which yes. uh, must have been a, a different kind of uh, variety for you. And, and... That's
1: right, a double act. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh they were great oh you always knew where they were and they were always they were fantastically um they finished each other's sentences actually for each other. and peter ellis i worked with on a on a piece of theater we did um pride and prejudice and we toured the country uh and he was um he was mr bennett in, in Pride and Pride. He, he was a great company member lovely to work with because we hadn't done masses of work together on the bill but i always loved chatting to him in between yeah. great great guy
0: what i love about the way you play her because is a whole storyline where where you have come up with a, an initiative for street robbery and how the police can do it better and, and Peter Ellis's Brownlow actually nicks your idea. You know, he takes it to Aria oh. and says that he's written this paper. You know, it's a bit naughty, but um, uh. but what I love about you and 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 indeed what the writers did is they never once played on the idea that do you know how hard it is to be a woman in the police? They never That's went right. down that angle. You're there on your own merit.
1: You're absolutely right. It was all taken as given that she was as tough and strong as and, and, and as. Clever and manipulative as the best of them, so that fight wasn't necessary. It was. It started. She started feeling absolutely equal. There wasn't the the struggle to feel equal at all, which is quite interesting, really. You know, because I think Helen Mirren probably had a lot more of a struggle. Oh, there were a couple of guys in Prime Suspect that gave her a very hard time.
0: Yeah,
1: Jack, Jack Shepherd's character. Did you watch? oh
0: it did yeah. Yeah, and, uh, yeah yeah craig fairbrass and all those guys yeah they're, yeah like, that's like, right
1: that's right yeah i mean she was absolutely up for it up to the mark as well but i think we perhaps saw more of her struggle and and of course you saw her private life and everything which with the bill had to have an officer a police person in, in each scene didn't it yes i think when people knew it was coming to an end there was a sort of there was quite a movement to object and to try and keep it going so many actors got jobs on the bill and we used to say have you been billed yet you know <laughs> you, you've done your bill yet everybody appreciated that they could possibly fit in as themselves or as someone near themselves on this fantastic program uh, and so it was a shock when it came to an end really
0: yeah and and you had guest stars as well there's a great episode you did it's called skeletons which uh ken campbell is the guest star oh it?
1: yes ken campbell <laughs> God yes and I'd worked with him too on on stage at Nottingham Playhouse. He was a wacky wonderful guy. Yes. Do, do you remember his storyline? I don't remember it but I remember he, talking Yeah, to he,
0: him. he he uh, he plays a character called Elvis or he wants to be known as Elvis and and, and he's got a load of skeletons in his in his flat but they're a- he's actually imported them there for hospital use and he's selling them but initially he doesn't really want to give away this information and it's quite an ambitious shot they do because those CID rooms, the interrogation rooms, are quite small and they actually do, it's, it's a 270 degree shot where it starts on a close-up with you and mm-hmm. then tracks around behind Ken Campbell and then further around to his front and then over Chris Ellison's shoulder... But oh the only person speaking in this shot is you. <laughs> Which, oh, so the funny. pressure's on you. you know, you've got this yes. long monologue and the cameraman's got to keep it going. But, the, yes. the, but they were obviously trying to push the boundaries. It was innovative yes. television, wasn't it? You know.
1: Absolutely. Walls kept coming out, of course. They could move the odd wall through. And then there, I remember shots coming from the ceiling a lot of the time. Um, down Opening shots coming down onto the tops of heads. Uh, but you're right I, it was difficult to maneuver these these cameras around those tiny hot little like prison cells but it felt it always felt very real of course and yeah and, and the corridors a lot of stuff in corridors where you felt you were almost snogging the fellow actor <laughs> because it's so close you know uh but it never looked like that on because the camera cheats so much it didn't look like it looked like two people having a normal conversation but when you're actually standing so close to someone in a tiny corridor like that it it feels very strange <laughs> yeah
0: I mean, you were obviously a very established actor by this point, but but was there an element of of fame for you? Did you notice a change where you suddenly recognised a lot more on the streets from being in this?
1: Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you one of the main things. People often seem to think they know me, but then they get confused as to whether, because I had a familiar face and they perhaps thought I was... Worked at the local pool, or down the laundrette, or in the library, or what did I teach their daughter or some? But in this instance, I used to, after the bill, I used to get people looking sort of shifty at me, as though, uh, as though I was out on, on on a recce for something. You know, like I remember going to somewhere in West London anyway, and I was in a huge market, and quite a few people were looking at me, now I don't know what they were doing, and they were. Getting together and chatting, and I thought they were maybe thought the law had come, and they. I was checking up. They they weren't quite sure what I was what I was up to, but I still get people not really recognizing who I am. I had someone the other day that said, "Oh, I know your face. Tell me what you've you've done." <laughs> yes, yeah, so so it did. It, yeah, because so many people watched the bill. It was such a popular program, but as I say, it was edged with something else this. It was a new look. It was kind of assertive. Not everybody wanted to come up to me, in case I was tra- trying to <laughs> yeah, stuff something else. Yeah, gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. get a Nickham. Um, <laughs> but each programme brings a different sort of audience out, really. And uh, when people don't know what I've done, I, I kind of don't know how to help them, really, because I, yeah, yeah. I kind of forget. I ought to have a list on me to go to... Oh.
0: And was it your decision... To to move on?
1: No, no, it wasn't my decision. No, I went up to Michael Chapman, who's the uh, executive producer, about about five six weeks before I was told I was moving on, and said, "Look, you know, because I, I think we've got contracts for three months and then an additional, two, or was it six months? I'm not quite sure." And I wanted to know if I had to, re- if I could reemploy a nanny. And she'd said she would love to know how secure her job was because my kids were very young. And so I went up to Michael and said, you know, no pressure, but have you any idea if Kim's going to stay or move on? And he said, we're really happy with what you're doing. I'll let you know very soon. We have a meeting coming up. And then I got a letter saying, we've loved your work. We've been top notch. We're so happy with her that we're going to (laughs) promote her and move her to Nottingham. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which made me think, that happy, wow! Oh,
2: <laughs> so wow. I couldn't
1: quite get it at first, but in other words, you know, you're out, mate. But um, I think I hid that letter for a while because I was sort of trying to get my head around it. Yeah, but I was very lucky to do what I did. I think I was there for 15, 16 months, or was it longer?
0: Yeah, it was well, an 18-month sort of solace thing, and then they, then they invited you back as Superintendent Reed.
1: Yes, that's
0: right. Martin I... McCutcheon has uh, has been been assaulted, you know. So you come back, and she oh, yeah. she she uh, accuses Hugh Higginson of assaulting her. So you—that's
1: right. I remember that one. Yes, a few weeks or months afterwards, they said it would bring you back for. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Simon Rouse comes in from MS fifteen, like intermittently towards the end of your tenure, and then of course he eventually replaces Reed as a DCR so they kind of like yeah. swap you around maybe but because he'd been coming in as a semi-regular maybe they wanted to keep you coming back but yeah, but it, it, it wasn't think. long before you were like doing more May to December and, and
2: yes,
1: maybe you weren't
0: think, available you know.
1: Yeah I, I don't know what happens you know things the business is full of surprises good ones not so good ones and you don't expect don't expect long-running jobs anymore actually and, and that was a uh, relatively long long-running yeah the decision was made for me so they went with another dci who brought a set of different qualities out and god i had no idea he stayed for 20 years but um,
0: yeah you'd have liked to have stayed longer
1: well I, you know i i loved being there but i also love varied work i like chopping and changing and i think i did quite a bit of theatre after that for a while, which I feel actors owe it to themselves to do theatre every so often. I think I'd have got too comfy if I'd stayed too long, too comfy in one in one role. So I can't really say I wanted to stay very long in anything ever. It's fortunate, really, that Broadchurch went on for three series only, because that might have been, you never know, although that was, in, you know, they're both great programmes, but The decision was made for me in the bill, and although it was a shock to begin with, I realized, you know, I could move on and different things would happen. I I probably got quite a low boredom threshold. (laughs) (laughs) And I love playing different people and uh, stretching my wings a bit. So, yeah, it was nice having the security, though, I'll say that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm amazed that it wasn't your decision. Because I mean, you were you were awesome in it. You know, you really were. And... Oh,
1: Oliver, that's great. Well, I'm definitely going to try and get to look at some of these DVDs that I, these these VHSs and try and get them done back. Because what you're telling me is uh, is great. Yeah, I I don't know the reason or whatever, but they obviously had other things in mind and they have a long, far ahead plan about characters and maybe they thought they'd worked what they could get out of out of DCI read for the time being
0: what are some of your other highlights from, from life after the bill I mean after
1: the bill I wish I had my CV in front of me I'm about to go and do some dubbing on a film which I can't talk about actually but uh, I did. it's an American movie that I made in the summer in Budapest which is coming out it's only a little role but it's great fun and I can't even tell you the reason for this dub that I'm doing because it would give a, away something um <laughs> What else have I done? I was at the National Theatre, I love the National, and so I was at the National for a while, and I loved being there in a play called Fram by Tony Harrison. Other other tellies, what have I done? I did a Vera a short while ago, it was great to do that. I loved working with Brenda Blettin, she's fantastic, and I worked last weekend doing some, uh, two weekends ago, doing some uh, programme for Radio 3 called Words and Music, where a theme is given um, whether it's flight or individuality. And they'd find all the poems and music they can with reference to that. And I was broadcasting it, it was for radio in Gateshead. And all I saw were Vera hats on sale in the market <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> that's so hugely popular.
0: I have to ask you about Harry Potter. Uh, oh,
1: yes, yes, Harry Potter.
0: Because that, that's kind of, I suppose you're, you're immortal when you're in Harry Potter. You know, that's going to yeah.
1: be yeah you forever, are. isn't I, it? Yeah, that's the one thing and people remember that seem, seemingly more than more than most. I tell you what, that, how I got that was I was at the National and the the casting director happened to see the play. I think I just mentioned Fram, and so I went up for the audition, and I had to yeah I had to die in about fifteen different ways oh, because as you know she's eaten by yeah. a boa constrictor charity Burbage. And then at one point i thought this isn't going to happen they're going to cut the whole thing because charity i think comes in and out of the books a lot more mm. than she did uh, does in the film and then, and then the last minute i heard yes you have you've got the role and that was great so most of the time i think was i was in special effects having a body double made uh i had dimensions of my whole body made in case they needed to film afterwards because i was held in a harness over the table of death yeah. eaters. And they didn't know how long that could be sustained. Uh, they had a wonderful model made of me as well, wow. uh, and most of my work was done in front of green screen. I was used; my voice was used to be there to feed Rafe and um, to feed wonderful Alan, sadly mm. no more Alan Rickman. But dear, dear man, um, most of the time I was there in plain clothes, feeding them. And then when it got to be my turn, I was up against the um, green screen. They took about two days to work out the best harness they put me in every conceivable harness to get it right so yeah what can I say it's you know on another level I felt very privileged it was one of those presents that are given to you you know you've been in the business a long time have this badge like the bill you know have the badge badge. little gift kids everywhere the minute you know you mention it's usually my husband that says if if we're anywhere uh, and kids are around and they're getting bored. of my husband will say, you know, she was in Harry Potter, <laughs> and then they they kind of go mad.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a wonderful a wonderful experience. Really, I already knew Judy Waters from theatre and telly, and I knew Alan. Um, yeah, in fact, Alan, my daughter Lucy was about to open in a um, production of uh, Oscar Wilde's *The Importance of Being Earnest*, and. I said to Alan, look, she's a huge fan of yours because of her. obviously. Would you just find this good luck card she's about to open us? Um, she was playing the, the Edith Evans part, um, Lady Bracknell. And he went, I'll do more than that. And he went, dear Lucy, great good luck tonight. You know, And in all you do, remember to breathe. Oh. Which is what most actors don't when they're nervous. And she's still got that framed on her wall, you know.
0: Oh, how magic.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was just great a great loss Um,
0: and how about the future hopes ambitions people you'd like to work with things you'd like to do or, or doesn't it work like that or
1: well there are things i'd quite like to do that you know you put feelers out for and then you wait to hear i can't say it's easy you know you i've had various things that i think might happen but i'm waiting so i haven't got any anything to say about what's definitely happening um but good good film good telly work uh, and good theater i'm up for anything actually oliver yeah. And good radio i love radio drama as well as long as the writing's good i can manage it <laughs> keeping working is what i like yeah yeah to keep keep going really uh ideally i don't think an actor actively wants to retire some do and say i'm gone i don't bother but i i think are always things i'd like to play uh, and i hope and i've got a good agent so you know I thought the competition might have dropped a bit now, getting older as I am, but there still seems to be quite a lot out there, up for everything we go up for, you know, the competition's still quite strong, so I'm lucky, everything I play, I feel very privileged to be in this business, you know. An actor friend of mine once said, we're not exactly taking in the washing, are we? (laughs) And and I thought, no, that's right. (laughs)
0: Well, I feel very privileged to have spent this time talking to you today. Oh. And, yeah, I mean, I, I just adore watching you. You're magnificent. And, oh, and uh, you. long may it continue. And thank you
1: very much, Oliver. It's lovely to, to, to be reminded of so many nice things, actually. Um, thank you for, for interviewing me.
0: Uh, what we ask the listeners to do, as you've very kindly given your time for free and they're listening for free, is to donate yes. to a charity of the interviewee's choice. So, oh, great! Is there a charity that's rather uh, important to you?
1: Yes, there is. Interact is a stroke charity for stroke patients, and it's um, it's something that I'm quite. I, I did used to work for in my spare time. It's inter and then a capital A act, and it's all one one word, and it's to help stroke patients. I N T E R capital A C T interact.
0: Brilliant. I'll put a link to the charity there.
1: Thank you, and, thanks, uh, Oliver.
0: No, thank you so much for doing this. I mean, to, to to sign off, what is what is your message to fans of the Bill who who are all over the world? It is quite extraordinary where where this podcast gets listened to, let oh, alone where the Bill is is watched and enjoyed.
1: Ah, oh, yeah. What's my message to all those people that are still watching it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Keep watching. It's the best uh, television. It's, a, it's it's quality television, and uh, great writing, wonderful, superb acting. Uh, it's uh, and you learn a lot from it about the times too. It's kind of a vintage piece now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> keep watching and thank you for watching. They'll know much more about it than I do. Listen, <laughs> yeah.
0: Carolyn Pickles. What a legend. Thank you so <laughs> much.
1: Thank you, Oliver. Thanks very much for being so generous with your questions.
0: Oh, that's an enormous pleasure. a wonderful lady i am so grateful to carolyn for sharing her memories and being such delightful company that was a lovely way to spend an hour let's continue to give carolyn some twitter love give her a follow at pickles underscore carolyn also her talented daughter actress lucy pickles is on twitter at lucyjb 11 Carolyn's nominated charity is Interact, a stroke support charity dedicated to supporting stroke recovery by using professional actors to deliver a stimulating and rich variety of reading material specially selected to suit the needs of stroke patients. You can read more and make a donation at interactstrokesupport.org. support.org. We're sticking with the 90s uh, as a theme for the rest of the year on the Bill podcast. And in case you were wondering how I choose who to interview and maybe what the process is, I thought I'd spend a few minutes explaining. I grew up with the Bill from the mid 90s. My earliest memory is Philip Whitchurch's final episode as Chief Inspector Cato. I can distinctly remember him packing his box and looking up at Brownlow at the window before driving off and the credits rolling. I also remember watching the first part of the Target storyline with my mum and dad, though they might have thought it was a bit too violent for a nine-year-old, so I didn't see the conclusion. As a boy, Loxton and Quinnon were my favourite characters. They seemed to get the most action scenes, which as a nine-year-old was what I was interested in. I also liked Mike Jarvis and I remember with glee the episode Way Out West where Quinnen and his stamp soaked him with water pistols. I taped that one and watched it over and over again. I also remember Dave Quinnan being stabbed in 1999 and everyone at school was talking about it the next morning. We all seemed really excited by his screams being heard and shown in CAD before they cut out. Was he going to survive, everyone was asking. My mum really loved Mark Wingett as Carver, and I remember her laughing out loud when he first came back into uniform with his hair spiked up and the troops giving him a bit of a hard time. I think she stopped us watching when he became an alcoholic, and in fact any time Burnside turned up she'd not let us watch. I think uh, she felt it was a bit too grown up, perhaps worrying my brother and I going round school calling people bastards. Uh, My nan was a bit more laid back though, so I recall watching his comeback episodes in 98 uh, at my nan's, uh, and indeed the Burnside spin-off. I tuned in ad hoc throughout the noughties. Uh, I I do recall being very impressed that both Graham Cole and Jeff Stewart were still rugby tackling villains. Uh, I didn't have a telly at uni, and there was no streaming then. So the era that perhaps a lot of you are most familiar with, what I call the post boyden era, I'm still discovering. That's why I haven't interviewed some of the later stars of the series. Uh, I've, I've seen episodes, but not enough, not enough encyclopedic knowledge to conduct a pretty solid interview. I started pretty much completely afresh with the 80s and, and the early 90s episodes a couple of years ago. And what an absolute joy that was, finding these compilation clips on YouTube of dramatic exits and confrontations and danger on the beat. I had memories and that same feeling excitement that I'd experienced as a boy first watching The Bill. So I quickly bought all the DVDs I could get my hands on. Uh, so as of today, I've now watched every The Bill episode from 1984 to 92, the John Isle's years, Dashwood years. I've got most of the 90s on DVD and some of the early noughties. Um, and at the time of recording, I'm really enjoying watching series 11 through to 14 again, uh, which is the sort of era I grew up with. So stay tuned for announcements about podcasts with legends from that era. There are some Sun Hill heroes like Jeff Stewart and Simon Rouse I've not even approached yet as I've got so many of their later episodes to discover before I do that. Uh, Though some legends from the 80s have said a polite no thank you to doing the podcast. That's fair decision. We must respect that. Uh, I certainly do. And I'm not going to say who they are because that's unprofessional. And um, so if you haven't heard your favourite yet, they've either said no or we've been unable to record so far. So wait and see who might pop up. But if you were to tell me that when I started this podcast, well, nearly two years ago, that I'd have interviewed the legends that played Ackland, Carver, Cryer, Dashwood, Greg, Martella, Stamp, and many more, I'd have thought I was dreaming. So I'm really grateful to all the interviewees to date for saying yes, given their time so generously. Uh, and stay tuned for more. In the meantime, we'll continue to focus on the 1990s and next up we have a wonderful actor from the bill who added so much to the uniform lineup for three years. And as this preview clip shows, he was interested in playing an ordinary copper. He certainly did that beautifully. It was an absolute pleasure to chat to Joe Dow, a.k.a. P.C. Barry Stringer.
3: time on the bill podcast it kind of got more interesting as I went on really I was amazed at how open they were I started off thinking I was not somebody who would ever join the police but that you know that if I approached it in this way with seeing how a, a normal guy would react to the extreme situations they're in that really did become interesting. And actually, I did research with with some police and uh, realised, you know, they they were just normal guys trying to do a job, and that was that was engaging. So, uh, so yeah, it, there, there was certainly a part of me that, that felt very personal about it. So um, uh, that made it easier to play. You know, you felt you could explore all different sides. I mean, obviously, you know, there were bits of it which just just were me, but. Um, they, they are quite disciplined, I think. That was the word that, that one of the police advisors said. These are disciplined people. And I thought, well, I'm not very really disciplined, really. But uh, So that's not me, but um, no. Well, I went out on uh, on patrol with some coppers on the, the first day of research and got into a fight. Oh, really? <laughs> it was quite dramatic, yeah.